0: The day of Shavuot, the festival of Shavuot, some some of you even listening may be celebrating this weekend uh, because your uh, your counting of the Omer is uh, is a little different than the calendar that we follow. Um, and so, if you are Hags Mayak, I hope you have a wonderful Shavuot. Um, many of the I guess the church's Pentecost Sunday is tomorrow. Is that, I'm looking around like y'all know. I don't know. Uh, sure, uh, they're like what I don't know. Um, but uh, this is a it's an obscure day it's an odd it's an odd festival um, in that it is a major high festival it's a it's a hog so uh, it's part of the the pilgrimage festivals where uh, Jewish men were required to go up to Jerusalem uh, three times a year and yet it's only one day and it's kind of uh, for for those of us that have been learning about it, it's taking on more meaning. I hope for you, year after year, as you learn more about it. Um, it is not the birth of the church. Um, I'll just say that unequivocally. If you disagree, get your own microphone. <laughs> no, um, but I don't. I, I I view less and less and less as the birth of the the church. Uh, there was a new religion did not begin on Shavuot on Pentecost uh, in Acts two. Uh, it was not a new religion that Peter was pre- uh, preaching. Uh, Paul himself did not even preach a new religion. What they did preach was repentance, not conversion. So you can chew on that one. Um, that's not all we're talking about, but just for the week going ahead, if you need something to think about, just think about that. Shavuot is a, is a one-day thing, and it kind of comes and goes. And yet, Shavuot is a part of a bigger picture um, that begins really at Passover, right? It is the conclusion of what we call the spring feasts. And and Shavuot is really is really only seen in its in all of its beauty and all of its importance when it's attached to the the the, the Passover offering and the week of unleavened bread. And we talked last week about a little bit how, you know, we have Christmas and Easter Christians um, and there are Passover and Yom Kippur Jews You know, it's the same kind of in, in, in each camp um, And yet we, we see Passover as this, this thing um, Everybody, you know, everybody wants to be together for Passover I, Every year when we do our, our Seder I can't tell you how many people from the community Contact us and go, are y'all doing Passover this year? Can we join? You have room room for us? And in a way I struggle with that to be honest with you because if they want to learn, I want to teach, you know, I want them to experience it. But in another way, it's like being a Christmas and Easter Christian a little bit to me. And I hope that makes sense. Like no, you, you it's like you think there's some kind of fad, there's some kind of experience you're gonna have at Passover, but what about unleavened bread? That's where the real learning happens, that's where the real growth happens, when you actually have to do something with the feast that you're celebrating it's great that we have deliverance through the lamb but what are the implications of that deliverance and see we tend to do really good with, with the miracle with the salvation with the redemption with the deliverance with the act of those things yet we don't do so well with the implications of that act and Shavuot is no different we, we end Unleavened Breg Haikamatsa and we start counting the Omer and the Omer For those that have begun to to embrace it and and practice it Becomes a beautiful season of 50 days But in the beginning It can be almost torturous And the reason why I believe that is Is because most of us come from a tradition Where you you really focus on God and, and, And community and stuff once a week Twice a week But it's not every day Yeah you may have a little devotional time if you can get to it You may have a serious devotional time every week But it's and again I know these are broad statements But you have these high points in the week Maybe Sundays maybe Sunday and Wednesday whatever it might be And the counting of the Omer forces us every day to engage Every day to recognize Every day to examine and to introspect And it can be really tough when you start a daily discipline and so it reveals a lot about us in the counting of the Omer, and culminates in the day of Shavuot, in the feast of Shavuot. And so um, we know we we talked about last week or the last couple weeks. We know that Shavuot uh, is about the the harvest, right? The barley harvest begins with Passover, uh, and that time, and then the wheat harvest begins, and that Shavuot is dealing with the wheat harvest. Um, something that that um, most Christians don't know is that Shavuot is seen is, is the anniversary of the giving of the Torah and so we talked about that last week the Torah uh, not only is the giving of the Spirit in Acts 2 it's that Spirit and Truth uh, uh, combination we talked about last week uh, the giving of the Torah and what an incredibly monumental event that was and I want to say um, that that's really kind of what we think about that's all there is until we start learning a little bit more about the way the Jewish people have celebrated Shavuot and we realize they read the book of Ruth. What is that all about? And it brings in a whole new dynamic to this idea of this one little single-day festival that just comes and goes. Even in even in, in uh you know, in churches and Jewish communities, it just comes and goes like it's not a major thing. And yet Shavuot is in the center of of six other Feasts of six other Moedim In a sense Shavuot is the hub Of the rest of the Moedim It's the center it's the, it's the pivot point Between redemption and judgment And I don't mean judgment in a bad way I mean judgment Well whichever way judgment fits <laughs> Good or bad Shavuot is that, is that giving of the Torah Giving of the Spirit Saying now what are you going to do with it What are the implications Great you got the Torah awesome you got you got little word from heaven brought down to earth that's incredible and miraculous and we've talked about it ad nauseum what are you going to do about it great they were filled with the spirit with ruach what are we going to do about it they did stuff about it what are how are we going to allow ourselves to be motivated and to be pressed on by it so this may seem kind of cumbersome i hope not But I want to read the book of Ruth this morning. Read through it. We're going to stop, make some comments. So, but I want to read through the book of Ruth. It's four chapters. Okay. So if you haven't read through it for Shavuot, you're welcome. We're going to do it this morning. Uh, And and again, I want to stop and talk and make some points as we as we kind of go through it. Uh, I'll be reading from the NIV this morning. By the way, just while you're turning to Ruth chapter one, if you are looking for a great study Bible. I super duper highly recommend, uh, this cultural background study Bible put out by Zondervan, uh, it's, uh, incredible, Dr. Walton does, uh, the, uh, the Tanakh part of it, and it is absolutely phenomenal for context and things, so, um, so we're in the book of Ruth, chapter, chapter one, um, First of all when is When is this time of Ruth taking place When is this story taking place This is during the time of the judges And, and if you've read the book of Judges um, There's two ways to look at the book of Judges And the time of the judges I was always taught uh, That it is It is really the beginning of Israel's sin cycle And that's what it was called When I was taught the, the book of Judges It's the sin cycle Israel messes up God picks them up, cleans them up, brings them back, and then they mess up again. And it's almost a picture that Israel is this Neanderthalic, like, just, you know, almost idiotic kind of, it really debases the idea of Israel, which conveniently fits into the rest of Christian theology. You know, that, that Israel's stupid, that's why God chose us you know I mean it fits the whole narrative but this idea of the sin cycle that, that and it's almost like God is up there going like oh again sheesh and, and the problem with that is that if you and I really take care to look at our lives we fall down a lot and thankfully there is a faithful God who lifts us up and cleans us up and brings us back but if we see God acting with Israel like that why does why, What's to keep us from thinking he thinks about us that way? That every time I mess up, God is like, oh. And see, that's what learning the sin cycle in the book of Judges did for me. It gave me a view of God that every time I messed up like Israel did, As I mean, after all, if Israel is his chosen people and there's never anybody else really in the Scripture called chosen, like Israel is called chosen, and God gets so aggravated with them when they mess up, what is to say that he doesn't just want to squash me like a bug and so it created this, 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 this view of God like every time I slipped up God was like oh, again I can't believe when are you going to get it together and yet the other way to look at the book of Judges is in a redemption cycle for some reason we really like to focus on sin I don't know what it is that's twisted about us As humanity we like to focus on mess up especially other people's mess up we like that idea we like to focus even in our doctrine about in our theology about running from sin or or or, you know being a slave to sin and we don't like to focus so much on being a slave to Hashem and so we understand and read through just as a redemption cycle we start to focus on God's goodness not on God's impatience with a, a fractured and a frail people I hope that makes sense so this redemption cycle in judges I, 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 I'd love to start thinking about it like that more and so Ruth takes place in during this time of the judges when Hashem is dealing with the nation of Israel and they're struggling with their story no doubt about it but God is dealing with them faithfully and restoring them so we start in the book of Ruth chapter 1 uh, verse 1 and uh, I don't have this on the screen it's not going to pop up on live stream so grab grab your Bible probably should have said that 10 minutes ago in the days when the judges ruled there was a famine in the land so a man from Bethlehem in Judah together with his wife and two sons went to live for a while in the country of Moab stop put the brakes first big problem first big problem is Moab right there's some really harsh things that the scripture has to say about Moab we're gonna, I'm going to read those to you in just a moment but let's just keep reading just real quick for a second um, in the country of Moab verse 2 the man's name was Elimelech his wife's name was Naomi and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion they were Ephratites from Bethlehem, Judah and they went to Moab and lived there now, Elimelech's, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. Before we get to verse four, let's just stop there. So, a man dies, or a, 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 a husband dies; he's got children. There is something in Torah about this. There is something in how to how to handle this, how to deal with this situation when a husband dies. And yet, these these Jews are not, and I say Jews, I know people are going to say, well, what tribe? They were from the land of Judea. We'll call them Jews. They were in a different land, and so this thing starts to get messy right off the jump. It's a messy situation right right off the jump. Um, Let me read to you Deuteronomy chapter 23, um, and it deals with this issue of the Moabites. Uh, You can just write these verses down. I don't expect you to flip to every single one uh, because I'm going to read through several here in the beginning Deuteronomy chapter 23 uh and we'll read verses 4 through 7 and it says uh let's see you start with verse 3 no Ammonite or Moabite or any of their descendants may enter the assembly of Hashem not even the 10th generation so many translations say until the 10th generation so one of the crazy things that we do in scripture is we go well how many generations from this to Ruth oh okay well then it's okay that they married a Moabite because it was past 10 generations stop thinking like a a westerner and think like an easterner ten doesn't always mean ten it means never right it means never I don't want them a part of Israel period ever Ammonites or Moabites uh, and this translation says not even in the tenth generation verse 4 for they did not come to meet you with bread and water on your way when you came out of Egypt and they hired Balaam Balaam son of Beor from Pitor in Aram Naharim to pronounce a curse on you However, Hashem your God would not listen to Bilam and, and, and turned a curse into a blessing for you because Hashem your God loves you. Do not seek a treaty of friendship with them as long as you live. The stone Tanakh that I was studying from this week says don't even seek their well being. Period. There's a phrase it's gonna be really off color, so just keep your face to yourself. I'm talking to my wife. There's something my that i used to hear when i was growing up that when somebody didn't like somebody else they said well i I wouldn't pee on them if they were burning except they would you know use a different word that's kind of the that's kind of the attitude that god is towards the ammonites and the moabites don't don't even seek their well-being if you see a moabite struggling walk right on by that's that's pretty severe i mean that that's pretty serious but it's because the moabites and the ammonites did not seek the well-being of israel they were involved with Balaam. i mean they tried to destroy the nation of israel in essence in its in its infancy so you have these so think about this situation you have these jewish people this jewish family that are facing famine famine happens so where do you go do you go to the land of moab why would you go to the land of moab out of any other place a lot of places you could go. Heck, you could go back to Egypt. We know that didn't always turn out real well, but I mean, you could. They end up in Moab. Now, I don't want us to think about this religiously, I want to think about this humanly, right? We've never faced a famine, or I've never faced a famine. None of us in this room probably ever faced a famine, but we have faced hurricanes where homes were destroyed. Where stores were destroyed Power was out for weeks No food, no water, no fuel to get anywhere What do you do in those times? What do most people do? Panic No toilet paper ah! Right? No, Everybody panics And so it's not like There was a famine in the land So they were sitting down They were laying on the couch one day And they were just talking about Well where do you want to go? Like it's a vacation no, when there's crisis, people panic. And what do you do to find solutions? Anything you can. Their last hurricanes, people were stealing generators, which stealing a generator is not an easy thing. Like, you don't, you know, you're not just driving around going, oh, look, there's a generator. I think I'll pop it in the back of the truck. No, I mean, you're talking about a full generator, 200, 300 pounds. I mean, it's a big deal. People steal, forward. they were stealing cars just for the gas inside the car. I mean, just nuts. Siphoning, fuel a lot of tractors and stuff you know people just do crazy stuff buying all the toilet paper for a a virus that's respiratory (laughs) Um, putting gas in trash bags people do stupid stuff whenever there's there's chaos right and so you know, it's not like these, these, this Jewish family was just like, well, you know, as a family, so let's go take a vacation and another. I know where we'll go. We'll go to Moab. They know the scripture. Like, they know. They know the story. So I have to believe that this was just, we got to get out and we got to go somewhere. And so verse 3 tells us that uh, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women. Ugh. Uh, if you remember Deuteronomy, you know, like there's a huge lights flashing, danger, will Robinson, right? There's 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 some there's some bad stuff about to happen, but it is what it is. They married Moabite women. You know, I think often because I have young younger children, my daughters are getting older. In the church, it would have been so easy for them to find a mate, right? it would have been easy. I mean, well not according to my wife because they'll never get married according to her but it, you know but as we with parents with younger, younger children that are growing up in this messianic Torah whatever this thing is as we start to think about the values that we want to instill in our kids I start looking around and I think like how many young men are, are seeking God the way we are I'm not talking about like They're Jewish Or they're walking Torah perfectly Or How many young men Are are serious Or you know Or Even think about how they eat Or the holidays And all these kind of things And I think about My 13 year old And And I know she's 13 But for those of you That have had kids Like she'll be ready To get married tomorrow You know I mean it goes by that fast I realize that She'll start wanting to date And all these kinds of things And And think like What do you do Right Do you say No you're not dating anybody Who's not Torah pursuant Well bless her heart She's, she'll never find a guy right so when we think about these, this family and we think about this story let's, let's really bring it home and, and think about this situation right how many Jews are in the land of Moab with this family it's Moab probably not a whole bunch so what do the sons do they marry, they marry who's there how that must have stressed Naomi and distressed Naomi. Even our, even our kids, let's not even talk about Torah, the Torah community, let's just talk about marriage of, of, of kids in general. Those of you who have kids that have married, you may have liked who they married. You may not like who they married. Maybe you like the second one or third one. I'm sorry, that's a bad joke. Sorry, I should have said that. Maybe, maybe you did or didn't but, but with religious views off the side just the stress that a parent goes through while their children are, are picking a mate um, is, is a big, big deal so, so while they're not all maybe innocent let's kind of have some compassion and realize what's going on here they married Moabite women, verse 4 one named Orpah and the other Ruth and after they had lived there about 10 years 10 years both Milan and Kilian also died and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband this is a serious serious issue the Torah addresses this way before but even before Torah there's there's ways to address this even before the Torah was given at Sinai so let's keep going uh verse 6 when Naomi heard In Moab, that Hashem had come to the aid of His people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May Hashem show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May Hashem grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her we will go back with you to your people but Naomi said return home my daughters why would you come with me am I going to have more sons who could become your husbands return home my daughters I am too old to have another husband even if I thought there was still hope for me even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons would you wait until they grew up would you remain unmarried unmarried for them, no, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you, because Hashem's hand has turned against me. So, what's really interesting in this is that there is a um, there is a, a a concept in Torah. Erase the cute little characters that one of our kids drew. There is a concept in Torah called. The law of Yeboom. the law of Yeboom. and we know Yeboom commonly as Leverite marriage. And you think, well, I know as much, much as levirate as I do about Yeboom. What does all this mean? Well, it's it's explained to us in the uh, in the Torah. Again, back in Deuteronomy, in uh, in chapter twenty-five, uh, we have this uh, explanation and commandment. Of Yibum Or Leverite marriage So in uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 25 I'll read verses 5 through 10 It says If brothers are living together And one of them dies without a son His widow must not marry outside the family Her husband's brother shall take her And marry her and fulfill the duty Of a brother-in-law to her The first son she bears Shall carry on the name of the dead brother So that his name will not be blotted out From Israel Now I know to us this whole thing sounds weird, right? And if if you and, and if you have a brother and your brother was married and God forbid your brother died, to think of yourself as marrying your sister in law just seems like yeah, right? It's weird. I know. And and then having a child by them, and then or having a child by you, and then that child not even to be yours, I like to, but technically that child belongs to carry name of your deceased brother, like. For us, it all seems really, really weird. But he tells us in verse 6 the reason for this. And and something I want us to work on getting our heads around. The first son she bears shall carry the name of the dead brother so that his name will not be blotted out from Israel. Why is this so important? And how can we kind of make peace with it a little bit and understand the importance of it of you a little bit more i've hinted at this a little bit i really want to press it this morning every nation especially ancient nation and we see it even still a little bit today not as much but we have some comparison to draw through in the time of israel in the bible and and up until really modern times and to the enlightenment every nation has a god Right, I call it a, a cult god. Now, I don't mean cult as in um, who was the guy in Waco, um, Koresh I don't mean like like Dave Koresh cult. Right, I mean cult as in the, the 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 scholastic definition of cult is just the practices associated with worship of a certain god. That's cult. Every nation has a cult god. The Canaanites have them. The Perizzites have them. The Amorites have them. The Moabites have them the the philistines have them egypt right every nation has a god or a a a pantheon of gods that is particular to that nation and that people so important that we understand this that is particular to that people that god is their god and those people are that god's people and the relationship works both ways, because a God without a people, really not a God, and a people without a God, really not a people, okay? So every nation has their deity, and very important statement, they are defined by their deity, and in turn, they define their deity, How do we know about Mithra? How do we know about, um, about uh, Marduk? How do we know about some of these ancient gods? By what the writings of that god's people tell us. Make sense? It's the only way we know. The only way we know how Marduk functioned in, in a Babylonian or Assyrian. I can never remember. Babylonian literature. We all, that's the only way we know who Marduk was. The only way we know who who Asherah was Was through Assyrian literature So the God defines the people We all understand that But We miss the fact that the people Define the God Everybody okay? Alright I'm giving you stuff I've thought about for years So let it sink in Take some time We got nowhere to go um, Unless you've got like a brisket in the oven in that case i'm sorry Uh, (laughs) so yeah then we'll just go to your house and continue this conversation no so every nation has a cult god now here's where the breakdown happens and where i want you to do some mental work with me today it's easy for us to think of the god of israel as the god of all creation the god of the whole world right and we think to ourselves How in the world do people across the world Not recognize the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob As the God of the whole world Everybody knows that Our book tells us so But in Israel's day And i want to draw the implications out In Israel's day Israel has a cult God as well His name is Yahweh And Israel Israel has a God Named Yahweh And Israel's God Yahweh Chose a people Called Israel And through the giving of the Torah At Sinai Yahweh Starts to define His people And as His people Live out His instructions The people start to define Who He is They write about Him In a book Now Israel In their writings and in their books They claim that their God Is the God of all creation Not just their nation But you know what The nations around them They don't know that And they don't believe that Why? Because their God is the God of all creation Just as much to them As Israel's God is to Israel Are you understanding What I'm saying there is no idea in the ancient world Of one God who rules them all And everybody knows it Some just choose to worship this God that does, That's not an idea that exists You're born into this nation This nation has a cult deity You worship that deity Because you are defined by that deity you are, Your survival is intrinsically tied To the worship of that God It's based on citizenship, not on choice. Now, you can go and serve other gods if you want. We hear about that a lot in our scriptures. And the thing about it is that God says, Hashem tells the the Israelites, if you go and worship other gods, like, don't come back, yeah, right. Or if you come back, you're gonna pay for it. But you know what? When you read other ancient literature the Assyrian the Babylonian the Canaanite gods they said the same exact thing to their people it's all about loyalty and infidelity as the people relate to the God so what I want you to understand is not this broad view of God as the as as our God Hashem the God above all he is right and I'm not I'm not trying to take away or minimize any of that I'm just saying that it's not thought about like that in scripture or from the people's perspective there are a lot of implications that go along with this And I hit on some, on some last week Naomi tells her daughters Don't wait around for me to have more sons She's invoking this idea of you boom. This idea that because your, my sons have died Then in order to keep their name alive you have to marry another son of mine in order to keep the family name alive. Now they're in Moab, not in Israel. What do the Moabites know about Yibum or about Leverite marriage? They know exactly what Israel knows about it because it's a common practice in the ancient world at large. But specifically for Israel, Deuteronomy 25 Tells us so his name may not be cut Off from the land of Israel now here's where I want To focus we're probably not gonna get through Ruth sorry Here, Here's Where I want to focus Why is Yibum so Weird to us and Not to them I want to propose to you That in our being Comfortable with with Hashem with As the God of all Creation in a way I'm not going to say in a way The idea of, of Hashem and Israel And that covenant and the God and their people Has been diluted It's been diluted Well God loves Everybody Well, God's the God of all people God's the God of the whole world So that if he is then what makes Israel so special And Israel gets kind of Washed out In the whole thing Add to that dispensationalism, add to that replacement theology, add to that anti-Semitism, and the Jews kill Jesus, and Israel becomes nothing. And so we look now, in Western Christianity, we look at something like Leverite marriage, like Yiboom and we think, like, that's weird. But if you're an Israelite standing on Mount Sinai, you've been 400 years of slavery to a nation that has a god, he's called Pharaoh, And has a whole other pantheon of gods You come out as ex-slaves But something we never talk about in the exodus Is that Israel comes out not only as slaves With slave mentality and, and all these things This psychoanalysis that we try to do with Israel But they come out without something They come out without a god As far as they know and we can see him struggling with that idea Moshe keeps going like, "No, I, He's the God that brought you out on eagles wings Hashem constantly says I am the God that brought you out of Egypt I am the God that rescued you I am the God that over and over and over We have this refrain through the second half Of the Torah Why? Because Israel lives in a land That has gods And now they are becoming a nation And they don't have a god that they that that they in a way that they understand it and so god is courting them in a way saying no i'm your god it's one thing for a, a, a nation to have an ancestral cult worship so over hundreds and thousands of years you serve the same gods and that worship changes a little bit as as people change and as societies change and cultures change and yet as a Canaanite, the God that this, this person worshipped is in essence the same God that their great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfathers great, great worshipped. Even if that nation moves from their territory to another territory, the worship of their God, their, their pantheon, their system of worship goes with them. It's all good. Nobody has to be nervous about anything. But when a nation is born from nothing when it is birthed out of the womb of another existing nation but told you're not going to be anything like them and you're not going to be told you're not going to be anything like where you're going i'm the one that delivered i'm the one that kept you safe he is establishing his relationship with the nation of israel as their god now Israel saw all the miracles all the things that happened in the exodus and in the deliverance and they witnessed it all they witnessed Sinai and this God they know like there's no other God like this they've seen the Egyptian gods they know that, that this God will put a spanking on those guys like bend over the knee spanking They've 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 seen they go through the they deal with Balaam and with the, the, the Moabite gods and with the Ammonite gods and and the, and all they deal with and they know that Hashem rescues them over everybody and so they're standing there going like no this God really is he really is the one and then God says I'm going to give you my Torah and I'm going to make a I'm going to marry you on Mount Sinai. I hope by that whole historical rant you get an idea of the, the, the precious importance of the giving of the Torah to the nation of Israel the giving of the Torah was not given to all nations yeah I know mixed multitude yeah I get it the Torah was not given to all nations at Mount Sinai the Torah was not given to God is not introducing himself to the world at Mount Sinai we read it in our book and that's the way maybe we read it because of our lens but an israel standing at mount sinai the god of creation hashem is not introducing himself as the god of all nations he is introducing himself and solidifying his relationship as the cult god of israel i will be your god you will be my people let's work on this first I'm a father first to my children, not to all of y'all's children. I have to be a father first to them. You have to be of how many parents have said, how many kids have heard? Well, but so-and-so's parent, I'm not their I'm not their parent. Now, does that mean if I see them doing something dangerous, I'm not going to correct them? Yes, but am I their parent? No, I'm your parent. Other kids can enjoy the benefits and the discipline of being around me. But I'm not their parent Let's get you and I together first And that's what is So we got to see Israel and Hashem in a really Narrow, narrow scope That's what the point I want to make So why is Yubim such a big deal Leverite marriage So that his name Will not be cut off From the people of Israel Do you understand why that's such a big deal Because Israel as far as israel's concern serves the only god that is the god of all creation he's the god of all gods these other nations have gods and they're okay but they don't have our god and they can't have our god because he made a covenant with us the ammonites may have had their chance the jebusites may have had their chance the assyrians may have had their chance but we got the covenant Israel Israel got the covenant God does not have a covenant with every nation on the earth He has a covenant with Israel He doesn't have a covenant with all the people on the earth He has a covenant with Israel And I would even dare to say To this day God does not have a God does not make covenant with anybody in scripture but Israel I got a good friend been a teacher for 50 years love him to death he and I vehemently disagree on this he wants a Gentile covenant I can't find one I think he twists scripture to make it his way he thinks I twist it to make it my way I don't find one and and he's welcome to be wrong absolutely he's welcome to be wrong he has a microphone and he teaches it his way cool all power to him love him great guy I want to press not to beat this dead heart but to press the narrowness of this thing because we think about it as really wide and we're like well, well God loves me too why am I any different than Israel? No we are different than Israel. We get to join in their covenant but it's their covenant. Yes that means the Jews that so many people hate today. For a Christian to call themselves a Christian and yet stand against the Jewish people in any way, shape, or form or the covenant or their relationship with Hashem. You see that, just how it's what? It's blasphemy. Thank you. It's blasphemy. You, you only know the God of Israel by way of Israel. That's that's the only way we know, and, and, and it's kind of, we, say, yeah, but we came through Jesus. Exactly. <laughs> You're making my point. Jesus is not some dirty Gentile that, that he's not a Roman citizen. like he's not Pontifus Maximus. He's not some, you know. He's not. He's an. He's he's a he's a Jew. He's an, not not just a Jew. He's an observant Jew. He's a kosher Jew. Fully, 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 a part of and concerned for his nation and their worship of their cult god. Yeah, he's an Israelite. Yeah, he's a national. It's. Yeshua's ministry is nationalistic it's national it's, it's populist in a way it's nationalistic he was about his people returning to true worship of their God any Gentiles wanting to join in fine but he himself said I was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel alright let's, let's move on let's move on a little bit um, okay Miss Barbara I'll take that, that and just go one step further Miss Barbara said we're grafted in the, the point I want you to under, the, thing, the point I want to make and think we have to understand is that I, I'm I, I can't I listen to pastors and I, I even listen to stuff I used to say and I think where did you get your education the truth is we're not educated and we don't think about what we're preaching most preachers don't think about what they're preaching do you know that? Well, Most of you know that because you've sat in those churches before. You know, <laughs> they don't actually think about what they're preaching. Now, there's some good ones. I get it. And, and a pastor's job is hard. You've got to worry about mowing the grass and mopping the floors and changing the trash cans and then bringing the Word of God on, on service. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, there's a lot, lot, lot to it. I get that. But most pastors don't think about it. The direction in Scripture... From, from the beginning to the end Is always the nations Come to Israel To access God Always period It is literally a one way street A one way street Through Yeshua Yeah he's Israel <laughs> He's Yeah still it's still that way The Bible the scriptures Know nothing of the Jewish people Coming to the nations To be right with God the scripture knows nothing of the Jew coming to the Christian in order to learn how to be right with God all the money and all the things that are done in the the, the, uh, the name of missionary work in Israel I, I don't know how much they read this book So, Yebum is very important because it is conserving this nation and this covenant with this God that Israel believes is the God of creation above and, and beyond every other God that they know of. And today we can think about this as, you know, um, uh, in a sense, well, India. Let's think about India. I love India. I love the Indian people. They're awesome. But the religion of Hindu india has a a, a theocratic a, a religious system That if you grow up indian and probably not as much today as it was because social media and 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 technology but if you grow up in india you're hindu it's just what you are and you believe that there are a lot of gods and you pray to jesus and you pray to buddha and you pray to allah and you pray to whoever you pray to all these because it's part of your thing that, that's, that's, what you, that's what you do But there's no God that's like over all of them Necessarily And so we have the, We can kind of make this connection even today In our, in our modern world Even though it's, it's not ancient like it used to be Think about Chinese and, and Buddhism right? Who defines what Bud- can, <laughs> Listen I grew up on the bayou in Port Berry, Louisiana Alright Every time it rained like this It flooded period Just the way it is our house is built up six feet off the ground because we're in a, in a floodplain. I mean I grew up on the bayou white rubber boots and the whole nine yards okay now if I start to read about Buddhism in some way shape or form I run into a Chinese guy at the shop right in Port Berry and I start telling him what Buddhism is all about how in the world is that right how, how does that make any sense he's going to look at me in my white rubber boots like what you read like a half a book and now because it's that and I'm not saying all Chinese are Buddhist go with me but there's a likelihood he grew up in that religion he grew up in that culture and understands things about Buddhism that I never have even considered and not even only about Buddha himself and Buddhism, but how that religious belief interacts with their everyday life And how it forms a culture So what do we do We go well we got a New Testament We're going to go tell the Jews How they need to serve their God And what their God really expects of them And how they should think about their God Now you understand Like while the Jew is like What You're a dirty Gentile Like, what? What are you Affectionately what do you mean you're going to tell me what God expects of me? See, not only does God defi- has God defined Israel and the Jewish people, but over the years, Israel and the Jewish people have given us a definition of God because God only ever communicated to them. There's maybe one Gentile writer in, in all 66 books, and that's Luke, and I happen to believe he was a convert, so... The Gentile thing doesn't even really matter are, are you under like how how crazy? how crazy is that? No wonder the Jewish people run from us and don't want to have anything to do with us instead of humbly going to them and going like, "Your God is the God of all creation. I want to know about him. Teach me about your God oh. if If we started saying that. There would be revival breakout like this world. It would be the end of it. Would be the end time restoration. If if believers in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob went to the people of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and said exactly what the prophets say, we've inherited lies. I'm going to grab on to the 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 tassel, the fringe of your garment, the seat seat of your garment, and I'm just going to learn from you. Are they going to teach you some stuff that you don't agree with? Yeah but you know what they're not trying to reinforce what you believe they're trying to teach you what they know about their God that they have served for thousands of years (laughs) there's a a saying in exercise and weight living and stuff that pain is weakness leaving the body and what I want to say is that in in dealing with these issues offense is pain leaving the body probably a better word, word for that where, where to I say it? But offense. Where? If, well, the Jews teach. Well, I, that's. I But the Bible says. So I just read the Bible for what it is. sola scriptura. Blah, blah blah blah. Oral tradition. Rabbis messed it up. Blah blah blah. And all this stuff. We try. We get so offended and mad and upset and all of that stuff. And it's really just. Yeah. It's. It's really just. Just pain leaving the body. We need to be offended by what the Jewish people believe because of some things we got really messed up and then we go back and tell them well your God's not like what your Bible says it's like what our side of the Bible says alright let's get back to Ruth where were we so so this idea of you boom and Levirate right marriage I want you to understand why it's so important because the, the covenant with Israel is really narrow God chose a people and you preserve that relationship at all cost if, if something miraculous happened and the roof of this place was lifted off as I'm speaking. And a voice from the clouds began to speak to us and said, those of you, those 34 of you, whatever, I didn't count it, of you gathered here today, I'm commissioning you for a job that no one else has on this earth. Here are your tasks. And it was the voice of Hashem that had called us to do four special things that no one else on the earth had done after getting over the thought that we were all crazy and the shock of that event I I want you to kind of use your imagination a little bit understand how do you protect that calling because that's exactly what Israel had Israel had a calling that no other nation had I'm the God of all creation I need somebody on the terra firma to represent me I choose you guys so you mean like when people look at us how they look at us is how they're gonna look at you yeah what they think about us is what they're gonna think about you yeah what we do is gonna be like what you do and that's the only way they're gonna know how you do what you do yeah so the only way that they're gonna the only way that we can that, you, we can, that you're going to be communicated to the world Hashem the only way that there's going to be a knowledge of who you are is how we act in the world yeah no pressure why, why, did you, why do they have so many laws and why, they're protecting a covenant and a calling and a mission we're still in chapter 1 Holy sugar. Are you serious? Holy cow. Okay. Um, We made it through five. All right. All right. Let's go. um, Verse 14. So Naomi says, because Hashem's hand has turned against me. (laughs) I love... I love how we go, well, like, things are going really bad. I must not be saved. I gotta get saved again. And she just goes like, God's hands turned against me. I gotta go make things right, so he'll turn his face back towards me. <laughs> okay. Let's go make Shiva, let's go make let's go repent. Everything will be good. Yeah. That that really is that's faith in the loyalty of God. And, and in the promises and the covenant I mean it's, just, it's awesome Okay so verse 15 Look it said Naomi Your sister-in-law is going back To her people and to her gods Go back with her See her people and her gods Go, go back with her This is your thing Go, go do what you, you get. I love this That you know Jewish people don't missionize They don't evangelize Like look Naomi's doing it right here She could have very well said Like if y'all want to make it in the eternity Y'all better come with me What did she do? No, she pushed them the other way. No, no, no. Go. Go go to your gods. Uh, And you find more more of that attitude in Scripture than you do, like, street preaching and banging on doors and handing out tracts and all that. And I know, like, that's what we do, and I get it, and it's good. And a lot lot of people brought into the kingdom that way. A lot of people not, though, on the other hand. I love when the, um, um, I can't remember now who it is. My mind just went blank was it the leprosy was it na- uh with leprosy and he goes back and he goes uh Naaman yeah and he goes my my uh the guy that I serve he serves a different god can I take a little bit of dirt back right and and he tells him basically like no go do your thing god's with you have your dirt yeah have have your dirt god basically he says like god knows your heart god knows your intention he knows like go go serve your your commander <laughs> what not no, you stay here in defiance because salvation is in the land. Like it's just not it's not what we it's not what we make it to be. Um go back with her, verse sixteen. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I go. And where you stay, I stay, for your people will be my people, and your God my God. Where you die I and there I bear the with me in even disapparation me. Ruth that Ruth This everybody stops reading Ruth. We think about, you know, kinsman redeemer. That's what the book of Ruth is. There was a song by uh, Aaron Jeffrey. Anybody remember Aaron Jeffrey? Am I dating myself? Where they go through every book of the Bible and, they, and they, they talk about the different characteristics of God through every book of the Bible. It's an awesome song. But Ruth is all about kinsman redeemer. Rabbi uh, Foreman brings up that, that the, redeem, the redemption, the, this where you go, I'll go, and, where you, and I'll, I'll die, you die, all that kind of stuff, it happens at the end of chapter one. There's four chapters of the book of Ruth. Why are there four chapters if the money ball is at the end of chapter one? Like the thing that we all want to quote, we all want to go, yes, and it's beautiful, and it brings me to tears almost every time I read it, where you go, I'll go, and your people, your people, meaning your culture will become my culture. And I'm watching, and everybody goes, yeah, no, no, we don't get it. Don't shake your head like this. Yeah. No, you don't get it. We come to Torah, and now we're trying to tell the Jewish people how to do Torah. Their culture, their people have not become our people. We've tried to make them us. Ruth should have said, I'll go with you, and I'll make you like me. I'll bring my gods with me. I'll bring my beliefs. I'll bring my values. I'll bring the commandments of my God with me, and then and, and, and we can work it out. No. Your people, your culture, your way of living, your relationships will be mine. Your God, your God. Because I recognize that the way you serve your God is different than the way I've been taught. Your God will become my God. In other words, there's not room in our lives for two gods, for two people. One has to go and another one has to come and take its place. Two masters. Thank you, Roy. I'll die. And she stopped urging her. Verse 19. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. Oddly enough, there was a famine in the house of bread. Anyway. When they arrived in Bethlehem the whole town was stirred Because of them and the woman exclaimed Can this be the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi Don't call me Naomi she said Call me Mara." what does Mara mean We study this in Torah it means bitter right Naomi's only the second Person in all of scripture so far In this story that has named herself God always changes Names God will change names Someone in authority will change name She's the second person to rename Herself um because the Almighty has Made my life very bitter I went away full But Hashem has brought me back empty Why call me Naomi Hashem has afflicted me The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me So Naomi returned from Moab Accompanied by Ruth the Moabite Her daughter-in-law arriving in Bethlehem As the barley harvest was beginning So when is this? As the barley harvest is beginning What time of year is this? It's Pesach, right? It's around the time of Pesach Um Uh, i got to finish in 20 minutes uh, chapter 2 so now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech whose name was Boaz Boaz and verse 2 and Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi let me go to the fields and pick up leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor Naomi said to her go ahead my daughter so she went out entered the field and began to glean behind the harvesters as it turned out she was working in a field belonging to Boaz who was from the clan of Elimelech just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters Hashem be with you Hashem bless you they answered Boaz asked the overseer of the harvest who does that young woman belong to the overseer replied she is a Moabite who came back from Moab when they owe me and she said please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters she came into the field and has remained here from morning until now except for a short rest in the shelter so Boaz said to Ruth my daughter listen to me don't go and glean in another field don't go away from here stay here with the women who work for me Watch the field where the men were harvesting, uh, and follow after the women. I have told them the men not to lay a hand on you. And wherever they are, you are thirsty, get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. Again, remember this is a Moabite in the land of Israel, gleaning from the field of Israel. Now the Jewish stance would say she converted. When you convert, you're no longer what you were. You are now Jewish, like you were born Jewish. Okay, that's that's the the rabbinic way of explaining this. But just in the sense of Understanding Boaz as a righteous man A man well to do And he sees this Moabite woman Starts to learn her story okay? um, Verse 10 At this she bowed down with her face to the ground And she asked him uh, Why have I found such favor in your eyes That you notice me A foreigner See still a foreigner Boaz I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law Since the death of your husband How you left your father fo- Listen to this verse We're going to play Rabbi Foreman's game where we heard this before. You left your father and mother and your homeland. Your homeland. And you came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May richly be rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. He says, he speaks about her kindness. What you've done for your mother-in-law And then how you left your mother and father And came to a land you did not know Where have we heard that before? What what character have we heard that before? Abraham Abraham is known for Now we don't know Abraham We know Abraham for his faith Right? That's what we Abraham the father of faith Abraham is much more known in Judaism for his kindness hospitality and we think well like faith is more important than kindness right <laughs> see how we try to redefine Israel's God that, that right there is an exercise in redefining Israel's God well faith is more important than kindness right shh, shh. be quiet listen to the rabbis <laughs> listen to how they talk about Abraham and his kindness why? why talk about his kindness and his hospitality because the guy was in his 80's just got circumcised and some strangers showed up and he busted tail to make sure that they had a lavish meal and that they were taken care of sometimes us we get a phone call from somebody who goes hey can I get a hand changing the tire and you're like well I'm kind of watching a show I'm really into we find in in Genesis chapter 12 Hashem said to Avram go from your country your people and your father's household to a land I will show you leave your mom and your dad and leave your land go to a place that you've never been i'm going to show you see the connection to ruth Hmm. it's faith and trust exactly he goes on to say boaz back in ruth um verse 13 she says may i find continue to find favor in your eyes my lord you have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant though I do not have the standing of one of your servants at mealtime Boaz said to her come, out, come over here have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar he's giving her status then she sat down with the harvesters he offered her some roasted grain she ate all she wanted to have some left over she got up to glean Boaz gave orders to his men let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out uh, and gave her what she had left over, and she had eaten enough. And her mother-in-law asked, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. And Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man... I worked with today was Boaz She said let me just stop and make a comment Real quick we this Gleaning thing Right this is what the poor did right You have a field everybody's harvesting They're doing sheaves they're putting together their Their ephahs of sheaves they're putting Stuff together the poor come and glean In God's In God's welfare System I hate to even call it that But in, in welfare not You understand what I'm saying Not food stamps the welfare of the community. In God's welfare system, so that every, everyone can fare well, God doesn't give handouts. God doesn't give handouts. He tells those that have, leave some for those that don't. But He doesn't say, go deliver it to them, so that they become like, leave it you have enough take care of what you leave it and then he tells those that need go get it now the, the problem is that we've created a generation <laughs> here you go listen Ray Charles could have seen this coming right with our economy right stimulus money stimulus money everybody going like, we can't find anybody to hire Hmm. I wonder why that is Human beings, I love us, but we're a predictable bunch. When you pay human beings to be lazy, you know what they're going to be? Not motivated to work. They're going to be lazy. Hmm, I can sit at home, and if my thing is video games, I just play video games all day long. Or if I want to garden, I can just stay home and garden all day long. I don't have to worry about going to work and serving another boss. I can just do what I want why and and in a lot of cases make more money staying home than when i go to... see yeah for now until it so see how god's economy is just completely perpendicular to what what man thinks is is good not all men thank god man thinks is is right god says no like i want everybody to be independent even if that means you don't create your own wealth But that you go out and get at least what you need, your sustenance. It also has to do with the dignity of work. People that sit in idleness and people that are lazy, the longer you sit that way, the lazier and the more idle you become. Brother Ron is an inspiration to me. Ricky is an inspiration. You guys, I want to pick on Brother Ron a little bit because... He just works He just goes He's a tenderhearted guy I know he's full of love and emotion And and all those kinds of things But when he's working it doesn't seem like there's an emotion It's just stuff to get done Just do, 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 do My dad several years ago Had a quadruple bypass And he was having trouble Coming back from it And I said dad you've worked your whole life You grew up picking cotton like, you've worked hard your entire life. Why don't you slow down? And my dad said, son, I'm scared if I slow down, I'll stop. I never thought about that before. See, that's, that's a piece of Keep moving. Humanity needs to move. And so I want everybody to carry on. wants to allow you the dignity of going and earning what you, what you have. And that's what's going on here. I just wanted to make that point because I believe it's super, super important. Verse 20, we're going to finish chapter 2. Verse 20. Naomi says, Hashem, bless him. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped to show kindness to the living and the dead. She added, That man is our close relative. He is one of the guardian redeemers or kinsman redeemers. He is one, one of our kinsman redeemers. There's more than one. Potentially. Okay, verse 21. Then Ruth said that Ruth uh, the Moabite said. He even said to me, Stay with my workers until they finished harvesting all the grain. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women and work for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished. She lived with her mother-in-law. That alarm tells me it's time to stop. No, it's not. I'm just... Sorry. So this idea of you boom is very very important that's what when we talk about if I were to ask you what is the book of Ruth what is the book of Ruth about probably some answers would be about redemption about the kinsman redeemer would be really about about that idea the book of Ruth is all about Yeboom. it's all about covenant fidelity it's about conserving the covenant and about redeeming people that are on the in the risk of being pushed outside of their people it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's nationalistic It's about keeping everybody together Under the umbrella of the covenant of Hashem The covenant with Israel There are A couple of instances of Yibum Before this And even before the Torah Just some for you to think about One was Lot and his daughters That's Yibum. They come out Lot's wife has been destroyed, the daughters Apparently their husbands have been destroyed They come out His daughters, from the way the text reads They think it's the end of the world Like they From the way we read it, it seems like they genuinely Think it is literally Up to them to repopulate the earth Like that's the way way they say it Rabbi Foreman suggests That Lot, the way you read Lot's response is that he kind of Knows that that's not the case, but then he kind of Doesn't, like he kind of knows but he doesn't want to know that he knows it's a weird you know that's such a weird situation anyway that in a sense the daughters are are looking for you boom they're looking for a leverite, our husbands are gone the only closest next male relative is our father and in their twisted way it was innocently there this is what they're trying to accomplish pers- preservation of of their family name oddly enough that one happens with with drunkenness right and, and manipulation and like smoke and mirrors all this weird stuff the second uh, uh, occasion of yiboom that we have in scripture is with who knows anybody knows later on in Genesis huh Judah Judah and Tamar right has sons one dies I think the first one it says because God killed him <laughs> it's so funny it's not funny but it is funny when you read it and um, he has one son and God kills him that's all it says um, and then he has another son he actually takes Tamar but then spills his seed on the ground right? Um, now I was taught growing up that that was a type of sexual sin like it was taboo like he was a pervert that's not, it doesn't have anything to do with why God was so angry with him has nothing to do with a sexual sin it's because his job was to provide Tamar with a son that would carry on the name of his brother and he broke he basically is responsible for cutting his brother's name out of the people of Israel what's more important a, a sexual sin which is not it's not unimportant but you understand the kind of the difference in the scale of what we're talking about one's a private sexual sin whatever don't be a pervert That's in the Torah I'm sure somewhere The other is He is the reason He basically is the reason That his brother's name Would not be remembered in Israel You cut off a whole bloodline And God said Nay nay So he killed him too So then there's a third son Tamar Oddly enough What happens in this second Yibum Is just as twisted as the first one Right Right there's a goat there's yeah i mean a little but there's a goat there's coats there's a ring there's all this all this kind of weird weird stuff both stories when you read both stories you got abraham you got simon gomorrah all that stuff's happening you got lot you got the pillar of salt all that kind of stuff the story's going along and all of a sudden the text stops and it's like it goes and it makes a hard left hand turn and then you have this story of lot and his daughters and if you're reading through it if you're reading it like a book you're like what the heck just happened just came out of nowhere. It doesn't make sense. Same thing in Joseph's story. You're reading Joseph, 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 Judah. And for like a whole chapter, it's just this twisted, weird Judah and Tamar. You get through that story, Joseph, 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 and it goes right back in, and it's, they're just weird how they're placed in the text. And there's reasons for all that we're going to get to next week. Next week, I want to talk about who is redeemed in the book of Ruth. Who is redeemed in the book of Ruth And why I believe that is Um, And I want to talk about This will be Shavuot continued part (laughs) 2 Continued again Um, I want to talk about What are the implications It's great to say Your people will be my people Your God will be my God It's great to do that And to have that moment Like it's great to have Sinai Like it's great to have the coming of the Ruach Like it's great to be reborn through Messiah That's great But the book has another three chapters after that, which challenges us with the implications of the experiences and the encounters that we have. So, in the last just few minutes, we're going to run a little bit over time. In the last few minutes, um, I want to share some opportunities with with all of us, with you. I said I would do this last week. I'm going to do three this week and three next week. Israel is right now in a ceasefire, it's tenuous as always. And I want you to understand how this happens. How twisted this is. Hamas gets a burr in their saddle for whatever reason. The wind blows the wrong way. And they start shooting rockets from hospitals and schools and residential neighborhoods at the, at the people of Israel, killing Israelis, destroying schools, destroying hospitals, destroying whatever, right? And they, and they pile on rockets, thousands and thousands of rockets. Israel goes, okay, guys, like, stop, please stop. please. okay least okay like it's not okay okay all right now it's time to pull the trigger Israel starts fighting back Hamas goes we want a ceasefire and so Egypt and the UN they all look at Israel and Israel goes no we're not having a ceasefire you're gonna pay for the people that you killed and we're gonna roll you into the sea which is what should happen but Hamas goes, no, 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 no. We want a ceasefire now. And so the whole world looks at Israel and goes, how dare you not want to have peace? you let a bunch of terrorists control the narrative. You bunch of idiots at CNN and MSNBC and wherever else. Yeah. Yeah. You're letting terrorists control the narrative. And if you're a Christian, and listen, some Palestinian civilians, women, children, men, I, I pray God protects them. I literally do but they are the people that are allowing Hamas to run their country Palestine Gaza doesn't need to be freed from Israel it needs to be freed from Hamas oh, right. but those people don't want to be freed They're radicalized. Yeah. They're radicalized. the whole nation is radicalized exactly so I'm sorry the the ceasefire is tenuous; it always is. There's a, there's more and more people I think to, at this point at this point in time in Israel they're like, "Why the heck do we have a ceasefire? This is stupid. We shouldn't be ceasefiring More that that is growing. It seems to be in the land of Israel. Like, no, no, heck, no, we don't want a ceasefire. Which is a positive thing, in my opinion. So, I am I'm growing weary of pray for Israel. I'm growing weary of praying for Israel. I, please understand me. Hope you guys know well enough, understand what I'm about to say. It's like... What, when we say things like that, I think most people have a... Generally a positive and a, and, and a right heart about it. But how do we think about prayer for Israel? Do, do we think that Israel's... Uh, that God is like... He's chilling up in heaven. He's watching Netflix... Not a care in the world. World's doing its thing. God doesn't really, you know, it's like whatever. Israel starts getting bombed. And God's like, Did I hear something outside? No? Okay. And Israel's bombed, and people are dying, and Jewish children are living in shelters underground for weeks at a time. And then all of a sudden we start to pray. And God goes, What is that noise? And it's like we're rousing God. And God goes, "Oh, Israel, oh, you want me to do something about Israel? Oh, well, let me go down and take a look and see what's happening." Like I have to think that's how some people think about pray for Israel. Like what what I don't I don't understand our motivation sometimes. Yes, we should always pray and bless Israel. Pray for and bless pray for and bless Israel. We let's keep doing the praying it's my encouragement but let's start actually doing something I, I, I have friends in Israel and you know what they'll tell me like stop praying and start sending money oh okay <laughs> I thought you coveted our prayers yeah no. Um, we we need resources in order to fight against the people that are trying to destroy us prayer is is great I, I'm not trying to diminish that I hope you understand what I'm saying but if you're standing on a bank and somebody's drowning and you're standing there with a rope and they're hollering for help and you're going, "Well, I'm re- I'm praying for you. I'm praying. I'm praying so hard I'm about to sweat blood." I feel like that's what's going on right now with with people of faith in Israel. And so I have, I have six areas that I want to offer to you that you can support that we as a ministry can support. Five, ten, twenty dollars a month A thousand dollars a month, whatever And I want to share with some of you those Just I know everybody's hungry and it, it's time to go It won't take long um, And I want you to consider them Go learn more about them, pray about them For those of you online, I'll put the links uh, On our Facebook page um, To these three today and then the next three next week um, And so that you can go on their websites and, and read all about them So the first one, I'll move out of the way so y'all can all see The first one, I cannot start a conversation about supporting Israel without supporting our good friend Hanuk. Um Many of you know Hanuk. You've met him before. He's been with us. Um, for those that you who don't, you're missing out. Um, he's an actor. There's a uh, uh, passage in Genesis, Genesis 37, um, and I, I do want to read this to you. Thank y'all you for giving me the time. Just bear with me. Uh, Genesis 37. If I could sum up what Hanok means to me in a couple of verses or a couple of words this would be it. Genesis 37 verse 12 speaking about Joseph and it says his brothers went to graze their father's flock in Shechem Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph aren't your brothers grazing in Shechem come let me, uh, let me send you to them and he, here I am he said and then he said to him go now and check on the welfare of your brothers and the welfare of the flocks and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem a man found him there wandering in the field and the man asked what are you looking for and to me this is Hanok Young I'm looking for my brothers Hanok is an Orthodox Jew a traditionally observing Jew does not follow Yeshua as the Messiah and yet Hanok is the only Jewish person that I've ever come across that has, that has said you have a place You and your congregation, your people You have a place in the kingdom, you have a place in Israel You're part of the story You're part of the redemption You're part of what God is trying to do And Hanok's job Is to work together with us Not just with me, with us In order to bring the complete redemption What we're going to talk about next week In the story of Ruth Is that we need the Jewish people And they need us That's how the whole thing comes back together Hanuk is doing that. He's the only one that I know, the only traditionally believing Jew that I know that is willing to do that. He's willing to come and speak and live and talk and counsel and teach. It's, it's one thing to say, well, we need to take over the whole of a Jew. Great. Let's find us a Jew to teach us. And there are no Jews that are willing to be a Jew and teach. Hanuk is that one willing to teach and willing to lead. He has a website called coldyehuda.org. Hanok's also a very, very, very well-known uh, tour guide in Israel. Um, and he has not worked since March of last year. So I'm not saying support somebody who's unemployed. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying Hanuk is about restoration. And, and he is one of only a, maybe a few of the Jewish people that are standing out to say, Hey, hey, uh, all my other Jewish brothers and sisters, what about the nations? Shouldn't we be, like, shouldn't we be actually doing our job and being a light to those guys he's doing it and so as you would support any other ministry I would ask you pray about supporting Hanok monthly or one time whatever whatever you can possibly do um, he, he is an absolute treasure to me, one of my best friends um, the next one I want to bring to your attention is called Meir Panim Panim means faces uh, Meir Panim, it means brilliant faces are, are lighting the face they're an incredible organization in Israel um, that does, uh, they do free restaurants. And I just think this is the coolest thing. It's a restaurant that you go in and eat if you're hungry. You don't pay for it. But it's its pre- its what we talk about in Ruth, preserving people's dignity, where you're not going to a shelter and somebody's giving you a bag of food while people pass by on the road and go, hey, isn't that Mr. So-and-so? <laughs> where you don't feel needy you go in and eat in a restaurant and you just walk out and don't pay I mean that's just super cool so they have these free restaurants they do food packages they do challah for Shabbat for elderly and those that can't afford challah for Shabbat which is part of, the, part of bringing in the Sabbath of course uh, grocery shopping cards meals for children after school clubs youth clubs um, this uh, I mean 650,000 hot meals a year forty seven hundred grocery shopping cards thirty four thousand five hundred children's meals a year an awesome organization and they have a network all throughout Israel um, that you can donate and what i when I post the links to this or you can get the uh, get the websites um, go on and read about these people these are people in the land of Israel these are Jewish people that need need support um, the last one I want to share with you uh, is one that's very very close to my heart I try to do this without crying um this is a, a settlement, a town in Samaria in Israel called Itamar. And I've talked about Itamar a little bit. But um we visited Itamar when we went to Israel with uh Hanok uh, a few, couple years ago, and um we met with a couple named Moshe and Leah Goldsmith. That's them in the corner, Moshe and Leah. Moshe is a rabbi. He also was uh for a time the mayor of Itamar. Um, I would encourage you to go and read about Itamar's history. Leah, Leah has a blog that she does. She's on Facebook. Um, basically, uh, basically, Itamar was not a thing. It was a, a few hills in Samaria. There's nothing there. No civilization. And Moshe and Leah, went along with their young children and several other families... They left New York, Brooklyn area Other families left where they went And they moved to the land of Israel With young children, with no job With no support They just up and moved Back to their homeland And they found this place In Samaria, this this few hills in Samaria And the Israeli government When they establish a new Community Will let you rent or lease caravans Or little campers And they lived in campers and they, they slowly added more and more people to their community. And then they started to have bigger trailer housing units. And then they started to actually build houses. And then they, now they've developed neighborhoods. And a school and a synagogue and all of these kinds of things. We were standing in Etamar with Moshe and Leah. And just listening to the story and listening to how it all began... And Moshe, one of the most profound statements that I remember being in the land of Israel is one that I've said here before, is that many people read prophecy as something that will fall from the sky. The Jewish people read prophecy as a to do list. So this is the vision of Etamar. Of I want to read. Dang, come on. Sorry. I want to read you from Jeremiah thirty one. Thus says Adonai, the people surviving the sword found grace in the wilderness where I gave Israel rest. From afar Adonai appeared to me. Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore I have drawn you with loving kindness. Again I will build you so you will be rebuilt, virgin Israel. Again you will take up your tambourines as ornaments and go out to dances of merrymakers. Again you will plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria and planters will plant and use them for there will be a day when watchmen will call out on the hill country of Ephraim arise let us go up to Zion to Adonai our God for thus says Adonai sing aloud with joy for Jacob shout with the chief of the nations proclaim give praise and say Adonai save your people the remnant of Israel behold I will bring them from the north country and will gather them from the ends of the earth among them the blind the lame the pregnant together with shoes and labor with child a great thong will return there with weeping and supplications they will come I will bring them leading them to my streams of water on a straight path where they will not stumble for I am Israel's father and Ephraim is my firstborn continue to read Jeremiah 31 but Moshe stood there and said when the prophecy of Jeremiah says that that we will plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria we looked at each other and said let's go fulfill prophecy let's go plant vineyards On the hills of Samaria. So they established this community. They plant vineyards. Arabs from surrounding towns come and they burn the vineyards. So what do they do? They replant. Year after year after year after year after year. Because they are, they're not waiting for Hashem to magically grow magic vineyard seed bean seeds or grape seeds in the ground that is their job to reestablish the land of israel and that's what they're doing so there's a little like short two or three minute video and then we'll we'll wrap up you guys online it'll play on there as well so watch
1: for you and for your children I have given the land of israel as an everlasting inheritance we're living in a historical time planting seeds in the land of israel you too could be part of this. The community of Itamar was established in 1984, right here in the heartland of the land of Israel in the mountains of Samaria.
2: Our nonprofit Friends of Itamar was set up in order to support and strengthen the Zionist dream right here in the Bible Belt.
1: Despite the terrible terrorist attacks that left many widows and orphans, Itamar continues to grow by leaps and bounds due to your kind to help.
2: We see Friends of Itamar as an important link between the people here on the ground and the lovers of Zion all over the world who stand with us in belief in restoration and redemption.
1: The support that Friends of Itamar provides has greatly changed quality of our youth experiments in many areas. Recently, they built us a brand new youth center where we have a lot of fun. We cover a wide range of projects, anywhere from helping families in need, infrastructure, education, agriculture, and security.
2: Security and quality of life brings to mind the saying, never again.
0: As a family man of Itamar, security comes before everything. Thanks to friends of Itamar, we have a safer sense of security after all the terrible terrorist attacks that have happened here.
1: Our vision and concern is helping to strengthen our security as we carry
0: on with our daily routine. Our high school Chetzin, which itself experienced several terrorist attacks, has hundreds of boys from all over the country that dorm in Itamar. Many of them have learning disabilities, have a compass in the works, which still needs a great financial backing to complete this very big project and make the dream come true here in itamar education it's our spearhead of our idealism
2: itamar is an agricultural community which proudly sees organic farming as part of its vision
1: and <laughs> There are families in Itamar that
2: depend on our food packages throughout the year. Friends of Itamar work together with the community's welfare committee in order to make sure that no family will ever go to sleep hungry.
1: As we plow forward in redeeming the land, demands are even greater.
2: We have many more projects in the making. Some of them include the building of a visitor center and tourist cabins, where we will bring you closer to the land of the Bible, empowering and inspiring you with this great historical mission, right here on Itamau. Thanks to you, our life is better.
1: We invite you to come and join us. Dreams do come true.
2: In order to continue in our vital mission here in building it up and keeping it safe and secure, we need your help.
0: So Itamar is is a really special place. Um, And so again, I'll give links to all this stuff on Facebook. I'll give you links here if you're not on Facebook or you need to get them another way. Um, I can give you websites to all these all these different places. Um, continue to pray. If we have some here that do not have internet, right. they can write on the right. or whatever they want to get in, we'll make sure Great. So Heather was just telling me, if if, um, if you don't have access online or you don't like to you know, give online or, or whatever, even those of you watching online, uh, I know some of you send in. Uh, if you want to send in something, if you'll just label it, Either Meir Panim or Hanuk or, or, uh, or Itamar. Um, we will make sure to get it uh, to them. Um, we'll also uh, probably be tomorrow or Monday. But we'll also put a fund, a new fund on our online giving um, for Israel support or, and for those, those particular uh, charities. Um, I don't want us to just be a people that talk about our love for Israel and the Jewish people. I want, I want one day for the majority of this group to go on a tour to Israel and I want to be able for you to shake the hand of, of Moshe I want you to hug Leah's neck and say we've been supporting you and them to know who you are I want you to be able to go and walk down the old city of Jerusalem and meet uh, Moshe Kompinski in the Shoreshim shop and I want you to be able to say him to be able to know who you are because we've been supporting the people of Israel time for just talking is, is, is past and this is the first step in us doing what we say we're going to do so sir you're ready to go i'm ready to go back i'm ready to go back for sure um so thank you guys for watching us by live stream i know we're way late so um if anybody's still watching uh thank you next week we're going to continue in the book of ruth and finish up and um we pray your uh the father's blessings on you father we bless you and thank you for our live stream audience and I pray, Father, that as, as we continue to fellowship here, um, that you would give them peace, that you would fill them, uh, fill them to the overflowing, and that um, they would continue to draw nearer to your people and nearer to you, Father, uh, through Messiah, and uh, in turn reflect who you are back to the world. So we pray your richest blessings on a great week, and we wish shavuot to all of our, our online congregation um, through Yeshua, our Messiah, and his beautiful, incredible uh, name and his life. We ask these things, amen and amen.